welcome to those of you joining us online. Thank you for making time to worship Jesus. We're gonna grow in our faith together today. Really trusting that the Lord's really gonna touch our hearts today, do something special in our midst today, in this room, wherever you're joining us from online. If you have your Bible with you, please turn or click. John chapter 16. We're gonna continue in our Disciple Track series. Every week I'm writing a chapter to submit to our discipleship track. And I'm preaching on it on Sundays so that the whole church is just connected to it and aware of it. And then we believe the content itself is best experienced as you connect to life groups, small groups of believers gathering together to kind of take a deeper dive into what we are studying, just reminding ourselves or asking God to reveal to us some of the deep foundational truths, the principles that are most important to living out our lives of faith. And so today's chapter is called The Advantage. The title of the chapter, the title of this message is borrowed directly from a quote from Jesus in John chapter 16. And so can we pray and ask that the Lord would just open our hearts to receive what God desires to do, to speak to us, to reveal to us, maybe to remind you of some things that God desires to do in your life today. And I'm gonna pray corporately over us, but would you pray over your life individually your unique circumstances, your unique maybe opportunities that God's inviting you to that maybe also come along with some unique obstacles or opposition. And and as much as I care for you today personally as a pastor, God cares even more for your life, what what he's called, what he's created you for. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And if you're here in this room or you're online and you're questioning that or you're doubting or the enemy is lying to you about whether or not your life really matters and whether or not there's a hope and a purpose and a future for you, uh, right now you need to hear that your, your life matters. You were created in the image of God on purpose for a purpose. So come on, let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to us today. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity. It's a privilege. It's an honor. We don't take for granted the opportunity to be here in this place, to gather and assemble freely, Lord, to be the people of God gathered in the house of God. And now, Lord, we open the Bible, which is filled with the word of God, your promises, your heart for us as your people. And I thank you, Lord, that, that the people in this room, those gathered online, Lord, every, every situation, every circumstance, every marriage, every family, every health condition, every heart and every mind, Lord, you care deeply, Lord, about every situation, every circumstance. Lord, those who are, who are going through, um, Lord, challenges or obstacles or opposition in any area of life, Lord, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, thank you that you are able and your desire today, God, is to bring healing, hope, restoration, freedom, Lord, newness of life, courage and faith for the future, Lord. And we just receive it today. We open our hearts to say, God, speak to us, strengthen us, encourage us, God, convict us, God, challenge us, call us, Lord, back to, to a place of living for you, like maybe we've drifted from God. Anything that you desire to do in our hearts today, Lord, we're open to it today. We're eager and we anticipate and expect in faith, Lord, for you to do something in our midst today. In Jesus' name, and come on, all God's people said, Amen. amen, amen, amen. Hey, can you imagine being one of the disciples that had the opportunity to walk the physical earth with Jesus? And what do you think it would have done for your personal faith, your life of faith, if you had been one of the 12 that had the opportunity to walk physically with Jesus and to with your physical eyes see all the miracles that he accomplished in your life, in the lives of others, in the life of the people who, were, who encountered his ministry. I mean, what would it do for your faith if you were the one who, who saw with your own physical eyes the wind and the waves sat up, become still at his command? 
What would it have done for your faith if you had been the one that saw the woman who had the issue of blood many years, desperate for healing, reach out, touch the hem of his garment, be instantly healed? What would it have done for your faith if you had seen Lazarus come out of that tomb? What would it have done for your faith if tax day was approaching and Jesus said, don't worry about this, go and catch a fish and in the mouth of the fish, there's gonna be a coin that'll be enough to pay your taxes. Come on, that day's coming for us real soon. That would come in pretty handy right about now, amen? What would it have done for your faith if you had been able to see those things? Would it, do you think, I don't want you to raise your hands, but, I, but just ask yourself, do you think that if you'd been able to see all those things, if you'd been able to walk with Jesus, that it might have bolstered your faith, maybe caused you or called you to kind of live out your life of faith, maybe just perhaps differently than you are today? I think if we were all honest, we would say that there's probably a reality that that would be true. But I wanna encourage you with the words of Jesus from John 16 that actually, actually challenge us that this should not be the case. That in spite of these disciples seeing all these things that I just mentioned, I just cherry picked just a few of them right there. In fact, the Bible says that if all the things that Jesus did were written down, the world could not contain the books that would be written about him, John 21, verse 25. So that's the context of what we're about to read from Jesus, all right? I wanna set the scene. That's the context of what, of, of what has transpired, of what these people have seen. And this, these are the people Jesus is speaking to in John 16, verse seven, when he says this. Can you imagine the audacity of Jesus to say this? Watch, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. The New Living Translation of the same scripture says it even more directly. But in fact, Jesus said, it is best for you if I go away. Seems unbelievable, right? Can you imagine what you would be thinking if you were one of the disciples who had seen all those miracles, who had seen the way that Jesus had provided, who had seen him borrow a lunchbox from a school kid and feed the multitudes? What if you had seen all those things and then some? And then now Jesus is saying, you gotta trust me on this. I'm about to go to the cross, give my life, pay the price, go to that tomb, rise forevermore, go back to ascend to be with the Father, but you need to understand something. It will be better for you if this happens. It's to your advantage, someone say advantage, that I go back to the Father. The definition of advantage is this. If you look it up, the first definition that'll show up on, on your iPhone browser is this, a condition or circumstance that puts someone in a more favorable or a superior position. So the one who had done all these miracles in their lives is saying, you gotta trust me on this. If I go away, Back to the Father, and I think he knew that, that, that they, might, they might be reeling, and in some ways they did. But he says, I want you to know something. It's to your advantage. I'm going to place you in a more favorable, superior position. So if we, as we read on, we see what Jesus was talking about. And it says in, in verse 8, as, as you read on, remember, he said, it's to your advantage that I go. And he says, and he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment regarding sin because they do not believe in me, regarding righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. So he says, he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, is, is going to convict the world 
of sin, but also of righteousness. In other words, the Holy Spirit is gonna, is gonna be the one that kind of speaks to you when you begin to get off track, when your heart begins to drift from God, when you begin to get into a mindset or a pattern or a behavior that is not God's best for you, the Holy Spirit's gonna convict you, but he's also gonna convict you of righteousness. Do you see what he said? He said, because I'm no longer here, I'm going to the Father. He said, he's going to also remind you about your identity in Christ. He's going to remind you about who you are because of what Jesus did. And reading on, Verse 11, it says, regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And just continue reading the words of Jesus, verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, and you cannot bear them at the present time. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All the things that the Father has are mine, and this is why I said he takes from mine, he will disclose it to you. So Jesus is saying, it is to your advantage that I go away back to the Father. Why? Because you will have access to the Holy Spirit. And later on, he would even say, you'll do these things that I did, even greater things you'll do in the context of that scripture is because we would have access to the Holy Spirit. And most Christians embrace the wonder of the Trinity, right? God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, right? Even though it's, 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 it, it, it's just so wonderful, it's so hard to comprehend, it's so magnificent. I heard it said one time, I believe the, the quote is accredited to Billy Graham, that, that trying to write a chapter or preach a message about the Trinity and specifically about the Holy Spirit is like visiting the Pacific Ocean and, coming and ca capturing a, a, a glass of water from the Pacific Ocean and bringing it back and showing it to your family when they ask, how was it when you visited the Pacific Ocean? It's almost impossible to really convey the fullness and the magnitude of the Trinity and especially about the Holy Spirit. But even so, most Christians embrace the, the, the reality of the, Holy, of the Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's where I'm going. For many reasons, many believers are hesitant or reluctant or fearful to really fully embrace and pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there's something that I say often, and this might be the ultimate example of it. The ultimate example of it, Zeke Kiefer right here, he probably knows where I'm, where I'm going. Wherever in your life of faith there's power, potential, or promise, you better expect opposition. Now, if Jesus said it was to your advantage as a believer that he would go away, and it's clear that the reason that he said that was because you would have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, is it any wonder that the enemy of your soul would try to create controversy or confusion around the person of the Holy Spirit? And here's the thing, there, 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 there's real things that have happened. There are real, maybe false teachings or incomplete teachings. There are people who have operated in, in maybe some error in the way they applied or maybe utilized or walked in or leveraged the power of the Holy Spirit for their own personal gain. Or there's some weirdness and sensationalism that has been operated in. And, and, and not all of that, we, we shouldn't judge all that because sometimes God will do some things. If you read your Bible, the Holy Spirit will, will call us to do some things. There's, there's people in our community that think it's weird that we would gather here and worship Jesus this morning. So let's be careful not to judge. 
But, but the reality is there has been things that have, that have happened, that, that incomplete or improper teachings, errant applications, misuse or excess, weirdness or sensationalism that has caused people to operate in a hesitancy about operating or about experiencing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's vitally important. It is your, he is your advantage. And so here's the thing. In the midst of our previous experiences, our perspectives, our opinions, and the opinions of others, let's commit that we will value and esteem what the word of God has to say above those things. And that's what I wanna do today. I wanna take you through some of these things and help you to see what we just read, what Jesus said. Now let's look at some other things that the Bible says about the, the Trinity, the person of the Holy Spirit and the invitation that we have to relate to him. Number one is that he is a person. Did you catch something as we were reading John 16? Jesus said, I will send him to you, not it. And when he has come, not it, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so the Holy Spirit is not just a mystical being, a spiritual force or a source of power. He's a person. Why is that important, Pastor T? Because if you do not see him as a person, if you see him as a spiritual force, a mystical being, if you see him as an it, you will not pursue and prioritize a relationship with him. And that's what God desires for you to have. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, the apostle Paul is writing to the precious believers in Corinth, and here's what he says. He says, and, and you can just sense this is, a, the, this is a spiritual father declaring the hope in the heart of the father over his, his precious friends, his, the new believers in, in Corinth. And here's what he says. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, who is the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see the Trinity operating right there and you see the unique expressions? He says, all of you are going to need to understand that you need to experience the grace of the Savior. You need, your heart cannot be filled by any of the things that you could chase after in this world. You're going to need to experience the love of the Father. And then he says, and may you also, because many people stop short. We, we're grateful to have experienced salvation. We're grateful to know that we're children of God, but we stop short. He says, you also are going to need fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, there are all different kinds, all different levels of friendship and relationship. There are um, old friends, there are passing friends, there are casual acquaintances, there are friends of friends. In social media culture today, I have friends that I have never even seen or met, or I rarely see. So there's all differing levels. And here's the thing, when it says fellowship, right, the Greek word that's used for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And it implies intimate, ongoing, personal relationship and closeness. He says, that's what I want you to have. He's saying, you need to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a distant friend. The Holy Spirit is not an occasional friend. The heart of God for you is to have ongoing intimacy, closeness, friendship, fellowship. Think about the closest of relationships that you've ever experienced in your physical life, in your physical existence. And he says, beyond that, that's the type of relationship I desire for you to have with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna need to have the, to experience the grace of the Savior, the love of the Father, and koinonia fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So, so it's obvious that it's God's heart for us. So what's our part to do in it? And here's what I wanna encourage you with is that the, the commodity of fellowship and relationship, the measuring stick, if you will, of fellowship and relationship is time. It's time. 
It's time. If you think about the ones who you're really close with, your spouse, your, your children, your nearest, dearest, closest personal friend, you can almost always equate that relationship with an increase in the amount of time that you invest or pursue to invest in that relationship. And our part is to begin to say, Lord, I wanna become aware, more aware of your presence in my life. I wanna begin to involve you and acknowledge you and not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but in every area of my life. It's, it's time. And there's this principle in the Bible, this principle of daily bread. It actually goes all through the Bible. You remember when the children of Israel had been delivered, rescued miraculously by, by Mo, through Moses' ministry, who was a type of Christ. And you remember as God was leading them on the journey through the promised land, you remember how he provided for them one of the ways was manna from heaven. And do you remember the instructions that God gave the people about the manna? He said, do not gather it or store it up for yourselves. He said, you must. And you, if you go back and read the story for yourself, they went out and they attempted to gather it up and hoard it for themselves, maybe out of fear or maybe out of convenience sake. And if you go read the very next morning, it had rotted. It was, it was rotten. And there's a principle that God's telling us that his desire is for us to have daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And if there's anything that I hope you take away and you begin to walk out and apply in your life of faith after you've heard, after you've said under this message, this sermon this morning, it's maybe that every day you would begin to just acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit right from the, from, from the get-go. When you get up in the morning, just begin to say, Lord, I acknowledge you today. Holy Spirit, I need you today. Thank you, Lord, that you would do what, what John 16, what Jesus said that you would do, that you would convict me, keep me on track, that you would speak to me the truth of God, that you would speak to me and encourage me in my brain righteousness, my identity in Christ, when the world begins to bombard me with its lies and its deceptions about who I am or who I am not, remind me of who I am, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Keep me moving forward. Give me the grace. Give me the strength to do and be everything you've called me to do and to be. Daily bread. He desires koinonia with you and ongoing. May you not just experience the, the grace of a savior. Come on, I'm grateful for the grace of Jesus. I'm grateful for the love of the father. But he says, I want you to also experience ongoing koinonia fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's more than a means to an end. He's an intimate friend. He's an intimate friend. Number two, he's more than a friend. Jesus said this, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I'm leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. So if you're reading a different translation than I'm reading from the New American Standard translation, you might have a different word there. It's because this word is parakletos in the Greek, the one that in my translation here is translated helper. And it's such a powerful word that the Bible translators could not settle on one English word to fully encapsulate what God's heart was trying to say here. And so if you're reading, depending on the translation that you're reading, your, your translation, it might say helper. It could also say comforter, advocate, or counselor. So in addition to being an intimate friend, the Holy Spirit is all these things to you. He's your parakletos. He's one who comes alongside to help, to comfort. He's an advocate. He's one who, has, who, who sees things more clearly than you and can come alongside you and advocate for you. He can counsel you. Let me ask you a few questions. How many of you have ever gone through a day where you needed to be comforted? I'm, come on, a hard day, something unforeseen, something unexpected, something you thought was gonna go one way and it didn't. How many of you have, have ever had a, a day or a moment or an hour in your life where you just desperately needed someone to help you? 
How many of you have ever had a moment or a situation, a circumstance, a turning point in life where you desperately needed wisdom in life? You just didn't know what to say, where to turn, or what to do. How many of you have ever gone through something and you just desperately needed someone to just step up on your behalf and begin fighting for you, advocating for you behind the scenes? That's who the Holy Spirit is because he's a person, he's your friend, he's your helper, your comforter, your advocate, and your counselor. Yet so many of us are hesitant to really fully embrace, pursue, and prioritize a relationship with him. And so we live our life of faith even in our own strength. And I was reminded of a story I heard many years ago about a young boy in 1800s Europe who was raised in poverty. The poverty was compounded by the fact his dad went off to war, did not come home. To make matters worse, his mother was stricken with an illness and her life was claimed through one of the plagues that was sweeping through Europe. The young boy was assigned to a government orphanage where the floors were cold, the food was bad, the beds were hard, and hope was not to be found. One day he aged out of the orphanage, began to wander around the streets looking for a job. He found a job in a shipyard. It was the only thing he could find. The work was cold, the work was hard, but that was the life he had become accustomed to. So he began to work, and as he would walk back and forth to work day by day, he began to see a new ship that was being constructed in one of the bays that was in between his ship harbor and the place, the flat that he had just scrubbed up just enough money to have access to. And so as he was going back and forth to work, he saw this great steamship being built. And then he saw a sign that they began to construct advertising that this great steamship would offer a passageway to the Americas. And it would offer the lap of luxury, the highest of, of luxurious accommodations with magnificent dining rooms and, and regal accommodations. And he began to see this ship and day by day he would see the ship being built out little by little. And, and, and the, the ship company to kind of gain some publicity for the maiden voyage that was about to happen offered a sweepstakes. One lucky person would be afforded a ticket to gain passage way to America, a place of hope, a, a place of opportunity, a place of freedom, a pl place of prosperity. And he, he, along with tens of thousands of other people, put his name in the hat. And after a life of incredible misfortune, a knock at his door, a courier delivering a message. It was his name that had been drawn out of that drawing, and he had received a ticket to board that ship for the mating voyage to America. And he was overcome with exuberance and, 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 and overjoyed with excitement and enthusiasm about just the possibility that there was a new life, that there was a place that was not dark and damp, that there was a place where there was a hope and a future for him. But then he quickly, the joy that he was overcome with began to, to be tempered with the reality. He said, this is a luxurious ship and I'm a man of little means. How could I ever, I've got the ticket to board, but how could I ever afford the dining rooms and the accommodations so he began to plan and he began to say, I must ration the cheese and bread that I'm given at lunch at work. I must begin to not eat it all, even though it's a meager portion. I must begin to save a little bit of the bread and a little bit of the cheese. And he began to take a burlap sack with work to, to work with him. And he began to portion and ration out. And every day he would put a cracker and every day he would put a little of the cheese in that knapsack, planning to provide for himself on the journey to America. The day came, he boarded the ship. Several days into the trip, a cabin steward found the young man taking crackers, taking cheese from that burlap sack, feeding himself. And he said, young man, what are you doing? And he said, well, you don't understand, sir. He said, I won this ticket. I, I gained access to the, 
to, to, to board the ship, but I'm a man of very little means. There's no way I could ever afford the luxurious dining halls of this ship. There's no way I could afford the accommodations in the cabin. Steward knelt down and he said, sir, I don't think you understand. The ticket that you won not only includes the passageway to this place of promise, it includes the provision. Every meal, every day, we're setting a place at a table in the finest dining room on the ship just for you. How many of us, because of our past, because of our pain, because of our perspective, the way we see ourselves, or a lack of full understanding about what Jesus has done for you, how many of us are grateful that we got our ticket to heaven but we're going through this life, the journey to get there. We're doing it in our own strength. We're doing it in the way that only we can provide for ourselves. And the apostle Paul said, I want you to know the grace of the Savior. Come on, that gets you to heaven. I want you to know the love of the Father, the one who sent his only son to make a way. But I want you to also know koinonia, fellowship, friendship with the Holy Spirit who will come alongside you, who will help you, who will protect you, who will direct you, who will provide for you while you're on your way to heaven. So many of us, is it possible that all this confusion and controversy that's created hesit hesitancy or reservation is one of the reasons that so many of us are, are kind of plodding through life, we're weary in life, we're struggling through life, to do marriage, to raise our family, to, to, to fulfill the calling and the purposes and the plans upon our life. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill you with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter one, we find another place where Jesus himself is now visiting the disciples. He's already gone to the cross. He's already gone to the tomb. He's already risen again. And here's what it says, verse three of Acts chapter one. It says, during the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, catch this, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, proving to them in many ways he was actually alive and talking to them, instructing them about the kingdom of God. Now watch this, verse four. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. It, this is not a suggestion. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They've seen Jesus go to the cross. They've seen him crucified. They've seen him go to that tomb, and now they've seen him rise again, and he's in their midst. And yet he still tells them, don't leave don't start your ministry. Don't start to try to do what I've definitely called you to do. The good things, the ministry, the calling, the purpose. He says, don't, because don't you know you would have been filled with faith after you've seen the resurrected Jesus? And he said, but the Holy Spirit is gonna be so important to your mission, to your, to your assignment. He said, don't even wait, or don't even leave. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Verse eight, so you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And those early disciples who just a few chapters before were denying that they ever had even been with Jesus. And in John chapter 20, if you go and look at that, the early disciples, it says, they locked themselves behind closed doors for fear of the Jewish people of the day, the ones who had crucified Jesus. Now those same people who had denied even being with Jesus to a schoolgirl, 
and who had locked themselves away in fear and trembling now are filled with the Holy Spirit and are preaching Jesus as Messiah. And not just preaching him, but preaching him boldly. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 2. The same one who denied Jesus to the schoolgirl is now preaching boldly. And he's preaching so boldly and with such conviction that it says that people, a droves of people, it was it actually there were 3,000 men, and that's not even counting the women and children who were about to come to Christ because of the message that Peter's preaching. And it says when they heard this, the message Peter was preaching, it says they were cut to the heart. And it said, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what else, what shall we do? They, did, they didn't even wait for Peter to give the altar call. They came running to the front and they said, what must we do to experience this Jesus whom you are preaching about? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Watch what he says. Catch this. This is, this is profound. And he says, for this promise is to you and to your children. Now watch this. And for all who are far off, everyone, someone say everyone. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Did you know right there he's speaking about you and me? And everyone who is yet to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, repent and turn from their sins, be baptized in his name, to the people who are out there at your workplace, to the students who are out there sleeping it off today at KU, to, to all those who are yet, who are far off. We, we talked about it this morning, 2,000 years ago. He's saying, he's saying 2,000 years ago, there's gonna be people who are gonna realize their need for a savior, who are gonna realize they need to come home to their father. And he said, even for those people, the pattern I'm establishing here is gonna be the same for them. Turn from your sins, repent from your sins, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, right back here, we're gonna do that. We're gonna baptize people in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't taken that step of obedience, or maybe you've recently rededicated your life, you were baptized as a child or as a young adult, but you've come back to Christ, come on, you ought to run, not walk, to go sign up and register to come and, and tell this whole congregation and tell this whole community that I've been, I've been bought with the price, I've been washed clean, and now I'm going to stand and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, this is a pattern. Come to, come to God through Jesus. Be water baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that this is a pattern that's all throughout the Bible? All throughout the Bible. Quickly, I want to show you this and then I want to leave some time for us to just respond and receive. This is a pattern that's all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Old Testament, you see these three baptisms, three baptisms. The baptism of repentance, the baptism of blood, the baptism of water, and the baptism of the Spirit. All throughout the Bible, you see this. Let me just quickly show you, show you this. 1 Corinthians 10 is a New Testament passage, but you'll quickly see it's speaking about an Old Testament principle and concept. Watch this. He says in verse 1, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea. Watch this. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Moses was a type of Christ. Remember, he was the one who went and helped the people of God to be rescued out of bondage. Do you remember the instrument that Jesus used? The blood of the Passover lamb put upon the doorpost of the people. Remember? The blood of a lamb that was shed. He's saying, this is, he's saying, I don't want you to lose sight of this. What God is calling us to, to repent 
to come to God through the cross, to be water baptized and to be filled with the spirit. He said, this is God's heart and plan all along. You could see it if you look back, our ancestors, they entered into to God's salvation, God's promised land for them through the blood of the lamb, through the baptism of Moses. They, they also read on, it says they were baptized in the cloud and the sea. They were baptized into Moses, the cloud and the sea. Moses was a type of Christ. They went through the sea. Remember, they went through the Red Sea, which was this, which was the washing away of all the things from their past that were chasing them down. And then it says they were baptized in the cloud. And read, catch this, Exodus chapter 13. It says the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud when the sun was beating down. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night. In other words, when the heat was on, the Holy Spirit is your protection, your cloud by day. And when the, when, the day, when the day turns to night and your life and your world gets dark and you don't know where to turn and you don't know where to go, he's gonna be the light that guides you to the decisions you need to make, to the life that he's calling you to. The Holy Spirit is your protection and the Holy Spirit is your direction. And it's been that way all throughout the Bible. And you might say, well, Pastor T, that's good. But I, I, if you knew where... I've come from what I'm going through, who I am. Can I really walk in this? Can I really receive this? And I want you to watch. I want you to see what God's heart is towards this. Again, and, and with all the confusion, all the controversies, some people saying that you have to have this certain individual expression, some people saying you have to do this or that or the other. Watch the heart of God for this. Watch this. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Watch. So it says, if you sinful people, and he's speaking about us, he's just saying earthly people, flawed people, if you sinful, if you flawed people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is a gift, and he's a gift that God is looking to give generously and freely. And he says, if you know, if you, if you flawed earthly people understand that you desire to give your children every, every opportunity, every benefit, every advantage in life that you could possibly give to them, don't you know that, that how much more does your heavenly father desire to bring to you the advantage, desire for you to have koinonia, friendship and fellowship with the parakletos who is your helper, your advocate, your comforter, your counselor, and your friend? Holy Spirit is a gift. Maybe today, the worship team can go ahead and come out and begin to prepare to support. Maybe today is the day for every one of us to receive either a new or a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today this, this, this message is your opportunity. The Bible's real clear that faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. And in Acts chapter 19 we read about a group of believers. Watch what it says. It says, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul instructs them and it stirs faith for them to receive. Verse five, watch what it says. Verse five, on hearing this, Paul's instruction about the Holy Spirit they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul placed his hands upon them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Maybe today, just 
is your opportunity, this is your opportunity to receive a fresh or a new infilling, to have a fresh perspective, to have fresh understanding. Maybe today is the day to say, man, if that's who the Holy Spirit is, if he's a person, if he's part of the Godhead, if he's my helper, my comforter, my advocate, my friend, my counselor, if Jesus thought that it was so important for me to have a relationship, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that he would say it would even be better off for me to live this life of faith with a relationship with the Holy Spirit than it would have been if I could have walked with Jesus in the flesh. Man, if all that's what God's word has to say about the Holy Spirit, wouldn't we all want a closer relationship with him? Wouldn't we all want to begin to prioritize, to do our part, to give the time, to give him our attention, to begin to invite him and welcome him into our lives of faith, into our homes, into our marriages, into our workplace, into the day that you're about to go out, things that you, you know you're going to run into, the things that maybe are unexpected or unforeseen. Man, I don't know about you. I don't want to do this life in my own strength. I don't want to look up and be glad that I made it to heaven and realize that I failed to really appreciate all that Jesus made possible for me, including a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to do. I, I want to create a little bit of space for us to just sit and reflect and receive. But before we do that, I wanna follow through on something that we commit to do every Sunday when we gather, and that's give people the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And, and to, to do the first step in that pattern, to repent of your sins and to, to re, receive Jesus as Lord. And if you're here today and you've never made that commitment, you've never received that free gift, it's a free gift, you don't get good to get God. You receive the free gift of salvation. And the Bible says that an old things, old things, your, the old creation passes away, you become a new creation. And so if you're here today and you're weighed down, burdened by the weight, by the guilt, by the sin, by the shame, today, this is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus and become a new creation. Or maybe you're here today or joining us online and you once knew God, loved God, served God, but you've just drifted from God. You've just drifted from Him. You've gotten busy with life. You've gotten preoccupied with the cares of the world. And today, that, if that's you, you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. And if you go back and reread that parable, that prodigal son just had to take one step back on the father's property. And that father came running with arms wide open, receiving that wayward one back into the family, throwing a, a party, a feast, a celebration. And that, if that's you today, you've drifted from God, then, then that's God's posture towards you today. His arms are wide open. He's just saying, would you come back home to me? There's some things we can work on. There's some things I'll help you get straightened out. But right now, his heart, his concern is just you. It's just his, his daughter, his son, his child. So right now, if that's you, you need to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, receive the forgiveness of sins, or you need to come back home into the arms of your father. Right now, here's what I wanna ask you to do. It's just a first step. This is just a first step. And it's, it's, a, it's a simple outward step of, of inward, something inward that God's doing in your life. But would you just respond to God? Would you just say, Lord, that's me. I, I, I need forgiveness. I, I'm, lift your hand high towards heaven. Just say, that's me. I need to be forgiven. I need to be washed clean. I need to be made new. I need to come home in this room and online. I think it would be powerfully important for you to just lift your hand towards heaven and just acknowledge your need. And here's what we're gonna do. If you raise your hand in this room and online, you can lower it. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer with you 
with you. We want you to quickly hear the sound of a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, who wanna come alongside you and encourage you, strengthen you, help you in your new life of faith. So come on, let's pray this, pray this boldly. Repeat it after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I couldn't pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say this part loudly, I'll never be the same. And then come on, can we rejoice with all of heaven? Rejoice with all of heaven.